Welcome back, everybody, to the Listening Podcast. It is episode 171. You have Jake and Sean coming to you. It's the end of February. We're two months into 2020. Coronavirus might take us all. This might be our last podcast, Jake. Yes, uh, if we don't reach the apocalypse due to Russian interference in our elections and the subsequent uh, socio-economic and global impacts of that, uh, we'll all be taken out by this virus. It is a tough time out here for the world. We're all just trying to get through. We're all trying to muddle through. We have a Democratic primary that's happening in parallel to all of this. Um, But Jake, on this episode... We're saving all of that for the after show, pre-show. Correct. In the actual episode itself, we'll be talking about a couple new tracks from Phoebe Bridgers and Car Seat Headrest. Yes. We'll be talking about new albums from Tame Paula and Grimes. And we'll be looking ahead at the releases to come at the end of this week. Let's do it. Let's dive in with the two new tracks first. Today, yes. we had a big, big release day for some of our favorite indie artists. First one, let's talk about Phoebe Bridgers. Well, hold on, Sean. Wait a minute, because yes. this is breaking news. Late, late breaking. This is breaking news. What do we got? As I open Spotify now, I just got an update from Spotify that says I'm one of Frank Ocean's top 3% of fans. <laughs> Hit play on their radio and we'll provide an endless stream of their music. Wow. That's interesting to know. Um, I sort of believe that, though. Yeah. Because you listen to Frank Ocean a lot. Yeah, pretty often. I would... I would Guess that you are maybe in the top 3%. So, like, I just want to say that, like, I'm honored. I'd like to thank Spotify. I'd like to thank Frank um, and Sean Yu for being here oh, of course. on the journey. Um, bearing witness. You know, and to, and to be here on this night, it should, I, I said I wasn't going to do this, but uh, I'm getting a little choked up. Wow, that's bigger news than really anything. Yeah, I don't, so. know, what, I don't know quite what to say. I, I am honored. All right, but no, now now we'll go into um, the, the song. Yeah, new track from Phoebe Bridgers came out today. It looks like it's going to be on her new album that's coming out later this year. It's called Garden Song. Yes. Um, couple big takeaways is this is very much uh, in the same vein as other Phoebe Bridgers songs that we have heard. However, I think there's a couple interesting pieces of growth or progression. I love the. Um, vocal harmony with the very deep voice the male deep voice yes now we were just talking off air um after show after show who is this guy yeah i guess it's her producer where she was on she and, and the only reason why i know this jake is i was on instagram she posted a story it was a recording of her talking to Zane Lowe. i don't really like Zane Lowe, by the way i'm not a big Zane Lowe guy let's get into this Really quick. Okay. I generally like him, but I absolutely understand not liking him. Zane Lowe, to me, is like the fake music fans who are more just kind of like, I know about all of these things, but the way I think about them and talk about them is music as like this product and not like... Yeah, music. That's fair. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I think on some level, he, I think he might have been in bands and stuff, and has some understanding of that stuff. But like, it definitely feels like no matter what album you bring up, he'll be like, "That's one of the best albums ever." Released. Yeah, I, I, I can't, ever released. It's not. There's no. Oh, Master of Puppets. Like depth 
yeah. of analysis from him. Right. It's just names, you know? And you get him combined with Bill Simmons and it's an ugly Ugh, combo. I, I skipped that. I couldn't listen to that episode. I skipped yeah. it. So it was like, hey, you know, uh, you know, Jack White. You know, where, where's music going? And you, know, and you know, Zane, rock music, you know, our sons are, are, are better than any living rock musician. <laughs> and it's like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> See, okay, what a start to this episode. This is a stream of conscious. It uh, is, but if you're listening, you're along for that. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh, I, I track. Or I'm you tracking. just shut it off and you don't hear me right now. Either way, that's true. You're we're going to all die soon from coronavirus. <laughs> that's that's hanging heavy. So Zane Lowe, yeah, interviewing Phoebe Bridgers, and he's like, uh, who, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And she's like, I, and actually, Phoebe Bridgers, kind of a deep. Voice? Yes, she does have a deep speaking voice. Um, she was saying, "That's my producer," and we were. I was singing Mitski in the studio once, and he just like found the harmony with me super easily, and it sounded great. And she's like, "I got the idea to have him on this song, and it sounds awesome." So yeah. I really like that deep vocal harmony, and then I sort of like that glitching finger picked guitar sound yeah. that immediately yes. hooked me. Me too. Um, but yeah, like I said, definitely. Similar to what we heard with Stranger in the Alps, her last album, but with a couple of things here and there that I think she's pushing her own sound forward in a way that makes a lot of sense. Couple thoughts. Totally agree with all of that. Um, I think that this feels like a very confident yeah. song to release off the next album. This yeah. feels like if it's if it's any signal of what's to come, she's really found some level of like confidence to return to that word. Yeah. Second, um, the artwork for the mm. uh al- for the, the single yeah um had the same handwriting in the same spot as stranger in the alps yeah. which was really cool to see and makes me think that maybe she's going to do the thing we love and have consistent Ooh. album cover uh iconography I would love that and and typography Oof. Sean which is a big <laughs> deal for me um yeah yeah it is uh but yeah I think this is like a really nice I listened to this three times in a row. Yeah. It's very pleasant. Um, it's exactly what you'd want out of Phoebe Bridgers, and it feels like um, a progression but not a divergence. 100%. And I think the lyrical quality of this um, shows growth as well. I think yeah. this idea of I'm I'm like I'm a lot taller now or something like yeah, that. Just yeah. that idea of like I'm growing. Mm-hmm. And I think there was that a great line about my doctor put her hand on my liver. She said my resentment's gotten smaller. Yes. Or something along those yeah. lines. I thought it was really smart. I think maybe she's acknowledging some of the pain or growth she's had to go through post this Ryan Adams thing, honestly. It seems to maybe be an acknowledgement of that, of like, I this thing happened. I'm dealing with it. I've dealt with. It. I'm like growing. You know, I'm putting that behind me. That's what it's. That's how what I read from it, at least. I totally agree. And so I, I think that also, uh, from a, like a broader sort of cultural perspective, um, this single, more than anything she's put out before, I think really hammered home for me how big she has gotten. Yeah. I saw several people on Instagram whose music opinions I appreciate, or yep. friends who reached out and were like, "Hey, man, like the new Phoebe Bridgers yeah. is out." That's like kind of a big deal, yes. and it feels like we're at the point where like people of a certain music taste, yes, absolutely know her, almost definitely like her, and yes. almost definitely are looking forward to the new I, record. I, that's spot on. I think um, I think more than Julian Baker, and I think oh, without a doubt more than Lucy Dacus. Without a doubt, she has asserted herself as I, I think the breakaway 
uh, like kind of hit artist out of this. Not to say that any of them have hits in the traditional sense, but no, but in the way you do I, as an indie as person. an indie artist, yeah, it, it actually is crazy how popular she's gotten since Stranger in the Alps, and I and I think the collaborations with Connor Oberst and then. Uh, Julian Baker and Lucy Dawkins are a massive part of that. And it's, it's definitely a fascinating thing to track because it, yes. it, I think we've talked about it. Whenever she comes up over the last few years on this podcast, it feels like the discussion we always have is like, hey, she's sort of like blowing up. Are we crazy or yeah. is she like actually kind of huge now? She No, she is. And she is. Full stop. Because and, I think she more than most, like in a way more than a lot of other people is really driven. Yeah. And is willing to do what it takes to succeed. Yes. And she's willing to network. Yeah, she I mean, does she, that big time. She works with, you know, Matt Bernier from yeah. The National. That's going to fucking help. Oh, yeah. Connor Oberst. Yep. That'll help, I think, too. And I think they're maybe actually dating. Connor Oberst. And Phoebe Bridge. I think. If social media, okay. if you can glean from Instagram stories and pictures and captions and things like that, I think they might be. Interesting. Okay. Um, not really sure how, what the state of his marriage is or whatever. Or Solid uh, age difference there. Not 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 really yeah, for me I to mean, comment on, so I suppose. That, that's interesting. Uh, wish them both the best. And I'm excited for this album. I love Phoebe Bridgers. Me too. I, I, yeah, I I'm very excited. Uh, the other new track we had was Car Seat Headrest with uh, Can't Cool Me Down. This is a pretty interesting departure from the traditional car seat headrest sound. I have to say, this is not what I expected, but I am glad that we got it. I totally. think this song is great. Yeah, it felt like with Phoebe Bridgers, the discussion was more like it's a progression, not a divergence or not a departure. I think this is a little bit of a departure for car seat headrest, yeah. but in a way that's welcomed and in a way that I think kind of needed to happen. Yes. Because it felt like the car seat headrest thing had become a little... And, and as great as Teens of Denial is, and as great as the Twin Fantasy, Twin Fantasy. re-recording album was, mm-hmm. um, that that sound of like these big, huge, open, distorted yep. chords, the, the with like the, the soft, quiet dynamic yep. always being the way he kind of approached it, as great as he did it, and as good as it was, doing this kind of like danceable yeah. track with like a little bit of a different feel, maybe yeah. even a little 80s in yeah. the vibe there. Um it is welcome, and I think he really pulled it off. Now, I, I agree. I think this is a great song. What do you make of the production here? I, I heard or saw some feedback from people where it's like, yes, good song. The production seems a little lo-fi for what he's trying to do. Interesting. Um, it's not a problem for... And like, I, I lo-fi. Under, I understand that. It, th- yeah, so this song, to me... Sounds very much like he's putting all these different things together in his room or in maybe like just his own studio where it's like you can almost see the seams. Yeah, that's a really, that's an interesting point. But I also think that's kind of his deal. His his artist moniker is car seat headrest <laughs> for when he would sit in his car, his mom's car or whatever, and record his vocals from the car. So I kind of think like... That's what he wants to do. Yeah, that's interesting because if anything, I I kind of thought in some ways that, that maybe I just need to listen more. I played it a few times. Um, this came across as a little glossier to me. Not necessarily like overproduced. There's a version of this song though that uses these synths and yeah. these different keyboards and things 
that sounds even more polished and yeah, clean oh, than it 100%. does. Yeah, oh, 100%. Then I guess my answer to the question is that I wasn't bothered by it because yeah, I didn't yeah. even think of it that way. I, set, I was the same way. Yeah. I was like, no, I love this. But yeah. then I, you know. So that's just interesting. I think these are both very good songs. They immediately went on my best of 2020 uh, playlist. Do we get new albums from both of them this year? We do. We from do. Carson Headrest? I believe so. We, I don't think either are officially announced yet, unless Phoebe is. I'm not sure. We definitely have Phoebe. We have her on our over-unders list. That's correct. Um, we should consider adding Carson. I, I was I was thinking list. of the same thing. Uh, um, maybe when we get an official announcement, yeah, we can, the, we can uh, pop that on. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's dive in with hot thoughts here, Jake. Yeah. Um, two massive, massive albums were released from the time we recorded our last episode. Uh, that is Tame Paula with the slow rush in Grimes with Miss Anthropocene. Um, well done with that. I've struggled with. Thank you. I have two. I have two. So I'm glad I nailed it. Let's actually start with Tame Impala because it came out sure. first. Yeah, that sounds good. And I think um, we have some more solidified thoughts on this one. So we've been going back and forth a little bit offline about what we think of this album. And correct me if I'm wrong, but both of us think this album is good. Correct. With some caveats. Yeah. I am very confused by what this album does to me and my yeah. brain. I don't fully understand. Unpack that. Okay, so here's 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 my thing. It has first of all, one, it has become uncool in the last few years to like Tame Impala really at all. Has it? Sort or of. is that is that like a thing? I I, I perceive it. Maybe, maybe it's not. Because that's something that I I feel like on my own have just sort of realized. I don't like Tame Impala as much as I think I'm supposed to, or as much as other people do. No, I think this is the one where he jumps the shark a little bit. I, okay, and okay, people kind of okay. think it's not that cool to like Tame Impala. Okay. That being said, I legitimately love Lonerism, and I. Almost as much like Currents, yeah. but a little bit less. Okay. Lonerism's really my sound. And Inner Speaker, what are your thoughts have on have not listened or only listened once. Okay, I think I've listened like once or twice and have listened to some of the big songs more. Um, but yeah, I would say Lonerism and Currents are the, my best frame of reference. So here's these are my feelings. is that like I love those two Tame Impala albums. I, I removed completely from the fact that he's blown up over the years and that yeah. Rihanna oh, yeah. covered him right. and that he it, like is super famous at this point actually and yeah. like really well known. I like these two albums and I like the songs um, and the way they're produced is really good. I am worried a little bit that the tra- it is now not just so like you look at Lonerism, which is very guitar driven, mm-hmm. riff driven, psychedelic rock, yeah. and then you move to Currents. And that is really synth-driven and very smooth yep. and pop-sensible in a way yeah. that, you know, I think Lonerism isn't quite... But it's definitely... Those are all catchy songs because Kevin Parker has that sense. He has that ability. But they're not as strictly pop as some of the stuff on on uh, Currents. What I think is troubling me about the slow rush with this new album is that, like, it's proof now that this is a trajectory, not just two different albums. Yeah. They weren't just two different albums trying two different things. Yep. The slow rush proves that this was a move. This is like, you know, if you're looking at it on a graph going from guitar driven to synth driven, it's a trajectory across albums towards synth driven. Yeah. And I think that on this album, some of the heartfeltness and and sort of like pure fun exploration that went on on an album like Lonerism is lost here. And That's I think point. that the gloss and the smoothness as much as it's easy to listen to, um it doesn't make for that rewarding a listen. 
It's yeah. something we've talked about too, Sean, and just tell me at any point if I'm jumping on one of your takes, but I think that like with this album, it's certainly pleasant to have on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I like listening to it. Yep. In fact, I'm drawn to listen to it. Yeah, none of it's bad. No. It's all very pleasant. I don't think you can point to a single song and say, that song's not good. No. you Right. But you also can't point to a song and say, that song's great. That song's up there with Let It Happen or Elephant or Feels Like We Only Go Backwards. Take your pick of the best Tame Impala songs. We don't have one of those on this album. I was thinking about it this way. If I, if I were to put together a greatest hits album of Tame Impala... Yeah. In, in five years. And I had these three albums, I guess, in Inner Speaker, which yeah. I haven't explored as much I, to pick Because I, I actually think, um, what's the big song on Inner Speaker? Uh, I am blanking, but it, there's a great song on there. I, I definitely believe that. A ton of stuff on Lonerism and Currents would be on there. I think the only song right now... Solitude is Bliss is the one I'm thinking. Solitude is Bliss, okay. The only one right now that I really would want from the Slow Rush is Borderline. Yeah. Which I think is a jam, and I think that little flute riff is awesome. I think it's very catchy. But it also, like, if I'm being totally honest, this song sounds like it could have been, like, just shot. Like, it, it kind of sounds like an in sync song or like a fucking, <laughs> yeah. like a Ricky Martin song. So, like, I, if we're being totally honest, yeah. it's that level of sheen and synth and, and you are correct. pop. You are correct. The, the journey from interesting psych rock band with those first two albums to pop sheen synth heaven yeah indie chill playlist fodder yeah has been yeah that 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 is no small part of the conversation around tame impala um i i do think borderline's great i lost in yesterday is the only other one that i'm like yeah i like that that's that's true i'm i'm yeah i can hear it now that's a good point so and one more thing for yeah. you. One more year. I think some of the lyrics are really cringy. cringy. Yeah. When he's like, 52 weeks, seven days each. I'm always like, all right. <laughs> I know. Well, like, what, what are you, a life coach? Like, what's, what's going on I know. here? I know. Uh, I, but I like the way that song comes on. Yeah. And the way you kind of fall into it. Yeah. And, like, I enjoy that as a way to start the album. I do too. I, I like the beginning say. of that song much more than the second half. Um, but I look through the track list and it's like, there's some like to me like on track. Yeah, it might be time. Like, Strictly I, speaking, I'm still on track. I, I think what's happened with him is like it feels like Kevin Parker is kind of obsessed with his career and life in a way that is not that interesting to listen. This to. is kind of what I wanted to ask. Is we've seen this progression happen. We were actually supposed to get this album last summer. Do you remember? Yeah, a while back. Yeah. And then he's like, no, it's not ready. And the the word on Kevin Parker has always been he's a perfectionist. He's a tinkerer. He always wants to make it, it sound as good as he can. I think this <laughs> I think- album sounds very lush. I think it is it, it the production is pristine to the point of being it's saccharine. Um yeah, it- and it's a little too much for me, honestly. How much of this shift or output of the slow rush which i think we can also say is maybe a a wink and a nod to how long it took for this to come out sure yeah and he's like i'm rushing i feel like i'm rushing to put it out and and satiate fans but it's it's also taking taking forever yeah um how much of that do you think is almost like this writer's block slash perfectionism that he seems to have 
I think it has everything to do with I both do those too, I do too. Everything to do with it. And I think that both of those are actually his enemy a little bit. Like, I, I, Especially I, yes. the perfectionism thing because you, it is clean to a fault. Yeah. Absolutely to a fault. Yeah. It, these songs are so devoid of any trace of human frailty or yeah. error. Yep. Like, and I'm not saying, like, look, not every album has to be fucking the MC5 or, like, <laughs> the Stooges. But, right, like, right. you know, a little shred of humanity. I agree. These feel soulless in a, in a big way. And he's even trying to explore these ideas of, like, what it means to be alive and, like, be successful but still be chasing something. The time I, he had Mick Jagger on the phone or whatever yeah, that was. Like, I, that just reads like a shitty name drop to me. That doesn't feel yeah. like at all earned or rewarding to hear. And I guess that's where I find myself with this album where it's not bad. It's pleasant enough to have on the background. But when I actively listen to it and try to find moments where I'm like, I love that. or I really connect with that. I don't. I don't connect with this album, even though I can say that's objectively pretty good. I, I have I don't connect to this album, and I think that's what I'm realizing in hindsight started to happen with Currents too, where I was like, wait a minute. But even Currents, man, I mean, you think about a song like Let It Happen, yeah, and like that song, like there's the part where it sounds like the song is skipping, yeah, and there's these huge like these long drawn out explorations, like in psychedelic kind of like sound like escapes that sound really still exploratory yeah. and still kind of like. You know, hey, this could go off the rails here. Yeah. Even there's never a feeling on this album to me that it like, it just feels kind of safe. It's like, yeah, you're okay. You're in I, this ride. I, I forget if I read this in a review or, or heard someone talk about it. Um, but around when this album came out, they made this comparison about how a lot of like the experimental psych rock bands of the late '60s, if they didn't disband and break up just sort of kept existing and then eventually turned into soft rock bands in the late 70s. I think that's an interesting comparison if you look at the trajectory of Tame Impala. First album comes out in 2010. The next one is like 2013, 2015. You can sort of track that with where music has started to go. Remember at the turn of the last decade, it was like a renaissance of indie rock music. You had Animal Collective, you had The National, you had... Uh, Grizzly, but you had all these bands putting out classics, and Tame and Paula was like, "We're another flavor of this," and over time has become sort of toothless, absolutely toothless. My theory on this, I was thinking about this the other day, because you mentioned that before about how psychedelic bands turn very sort of smooth and even yeah. soft yep. with time. Um, I mean, even you can think of Pink Floyd or something. Yeah. You think about like what they sounded like on Piper, yeah, or like Animals, yeah, and what they turned into by The Wall or some of those later albums, or even like the Division Bell, the right. stuff from the nineties, yeah, exactly. where it's like this is so clean and smooth. Yeah. It's like it's nice to listen to, but like what really is going on? Yeah, my theory on that is that with bands like this, a lot of times if you're drawn to making psychedelic music, a lot of times your your people who are like exceptionally proficient at your instrument, yeah, um, and you're getting better over time. You also are pretty melodically driven and yep. pretty interested in exploring like how you can use your technical proficiency and your gifts for melody to make like this 
really seamless, smooth music. Yeah. And I think what ends up happening is the most interesting stuff for the listener is when they're actually not the best at it. 100%. When they're actually like on the come up and still yes. trying to figure it out and maybe they're not satisfied because yeah. their brain is like, it's still not quite yeah. scratching that itch of perfection. It's For an average listener, for someone who just like likes music yep. in a general sense, that's actually the most rewarding stuff. I think stuff. that's spot on. And, and you get to a point, and I think this is where we've reached with Kevin Parker on The Slow Rush, is it's so inside baseball like I'm tinkering the average person doesn't give a fuck what you're tinkering with. Right. And it's gotten to the point where it's too, it is, it's too perfect yeah. to the point of it being soulless. He's too good a producer. Exactly. Now. That's the yes. thing is like he, because he knows too much now yep. that he, he knows the rules of producing now. Yep. He understands how you're supposed to make stuff sound to make it sound perfect. Yep. But what's interesting about music is not what's perfect or what uh-uh. is the way you're supposed to do it. Uh-uh. And I, I think that he, or at least not for people like us. No. Because there are like producer heads out there who are probably losing their minds over how good this album sounds. Sure. And it, and it does sound it, nice. It does. It There's does. no doubt about it. I think Current sounds better. I agree. Um, and I would like a little bit of like, I don't know, humanity yeah. to shine through totally, on here. Totally. Which I'm not getting. And I think that like, again, like... It sounds really negative what we're saying. I think both I, of us I was, yeah. actually genuinely like this album on some level. I do too, but not as much as his previous no. stuff, and definitely in a different way. I and we talked about this before. I like this album kind of like I like an ambient album. Yeah, or I'm I'm giving very little stock to allowing it to be an active listen. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, like. That sort of fundamentally changes what I want out of a Tame and Paul album. Yeah. I, I sort of do want that music to be more active, and I want to treat it like I treated those other albums. To now have to think about it as just like this pleasant enough thing I put on in the background, I'm probably not going to be choosing the slow rush for that. I'm going to be choosing other things. Totally. I agree. So, and I think that this yeah. is an album that I will always... I mean, I, I, I'll go down as like, I liked it. It yep. probably won't stick with me for a great deal of time. It definitely feels like, and it's really interesting to be here. We're at the point where bands, even bands who seemed new five years ago, are already putting out their albums where it's like they're aging out of it a little bit. Yeah, it's so true. And it, it's a weird feeling. It, it is. Um, let's transition into Grime. So she put out Misanthropocene yeah. on Friday. Um, I have some immediate thoughts here. Go ahead. Some immediate thoughts. First of all, Grimes is massive. We just talked about Phoebe Huge. Bridgers. Bigger than ever. Grimes is everywhere yep. to the point where like, and this hasn't happened with many albums over the last couple years, you almost like felt the, like that it was an event yeah. outside of yourself. Yes, Like totally. I saw billboard, pictures of billboards in Times Square with like, crazy fucking press pictures of Grimes, like just towering yeah. above Times Square. Yep. And then Kara and I went to a coffee shop and they were playing the album all the way through. Yeah. And then I was it's talking to other people at work who were like, who I, I didn't expect to really know Grimes or talk about Grimes, like mention Grimes. That was very interesting. And I think a lot of that is probably the Elon Musk thing, actually. It is some part of it, for sure. Um. The other thing is I 
sort of expected this album to not be that good for some reason. And I think I got caught up in a lot of the Grimes like counter narrative over the last couple years where it's like, oh, she's out of touch. Oh, she's dating Elon Musk. Oh, like, you know, she claims to stand up for all of this stuff, but in reality, she's living this other way. I just sort of expected a backlash and then the music to sort of not be as good. I think this is Grimes' best album. I'm happy to hear you say that. I think this is her best album. Hell yeah. It is the one that I have felt the most connected to and enjoyed the most from start to finish. Nice. Art Angels is excellent. It's great. There's always a couple tracks on there that I'm always like, eh. This one? I don't think there's any fat on this album. No, I agree. So do you listen to the the thing where, like, do you go all the way through We Appreciate Power and the mixes of them? Because I, I think the actual album ends with Idoru or how do you I say that? I only, I listen up to We Appreciate Power. Which I guess is technically a bonus track. It is. But here's my other take. That might be the best song on there. Really? Okay, I think it's definitely good. It's not my favorite. I think I, it's like, good. Just from like a pure sort of earworm song perspective, Very I think catchy. it might be like one of the best. And it's weird. It's not even an official track. So I have treated it as like the unofficial last, last track. track. It's like the train in vain, stand by me yeah. of London Calling, where it's like it's sort of the poppiest but unofficial last track to kind of like put a pin on the album. Yeah. I think this might be your best album. Um, I think what she is able to put together from a production standpoint is very impressive. Look, there's very much a grime sound it's that awesome. she has honed in on on this album. Yeah. But she's done it in a way that's just like, you nailed it. You nailed it she on did, this album. She really did. So, yeah, I'm happy to hear you say that because my take is that um, I... Definitely already am more invested in and like this album, I think, more than Visions. More than oh, I ever yeah. liked Visions. Yeah. Because the truth on Visions for me is that as much as I liked some of the songs, I never cared for yeah. it as much as an the, album. The reality of Visions is it's an uneven full album. Really listen. uneven. Yeah. I loved Art Angels. It's It was one of my favorite albums of the last decade, and it means a lot to me. It, yep. it, like I think it's incredible. So. This album had a lot. <laughs> Coronavirus Corona. catching up with me. Yeah, um, had a lot to like live up to for me. Uh, I've been loving it too. Yeah. And I think it is like chock full of awesome Hits. songs. Yeah, of oh excellent my God. songs. My personal favorite is Violence. I think Violence is so fucking catchy and has it. It captures the perfect thing that Grimes does of being. It's really like. Very catchy and danceable, but also feels ethereal and yes. unattainable. It feels yes. like this thing where it's like it, like it, on on what it like makes you dance, but makes you want to think too. Yes, I think like in a way, almost every song is doing that. In a yeah. way, she wasn't able to execute on either of her other albums. It's interesting you say violence is your favorite. I think you could, in theory, pick. Any song on here is your favorite. There's no wrong answer. Sure, yeah. The one that I viscerally have responded to the most just on a song level is actually You'll Miss Me When I'm Not Around. Really good. That's a perfect pop song. It's so good. And I so You know what else is a perfect pop song? Is Delete Forever. Oh which my is God. like this little Which dang. is about about Lil Peep, I guess. Well, I didn't even know that, but yeah. it's like it's it, like she this... wrote that the night Lil Peep died. It's like this jangly, almost countryish yep. song. Yep. Um, in a way that works so well. It's like it, it, it doesn't even feel like a lot of the other stuff on the album, but it no. works perfectly on here. Yeah, that one's about Lil Peep, I guess. Um, 
4 a.m. is amazing awesome. too. Um, Big friend of the pod, Kevin, was obsessed yeah. with that song. 4 a.m. bangs. Uh, I, so my first listen through, Dark Side, was like that kind of blew my mind. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, I think the refrain of "We don't love our bodies anymore," right? Followed by that like heavy like like that like post-apocalyptic synth drop followed then by the japanese rapping i was like music has never sounded like this before oh you've never never seen something like this before (laughs) what i thought was interesting is that she's following the theme where on art angels i mean laughing and not being normal i think is 20 seconds long california is the first track on that album for all intents and purposes and then it goes into scream which is a very similar vibe to this song, where it has like this like frenetic, crazed, yeah, yeah. like I think Japanese like screaming and stuff. Yep. Which at the time I it, I was always like, okay, just get through this track. <laughs> right. um, but I agree that I think it's interesting that Dark Side um, does a similar thing for this album, where it's the second track. I also like that on this album, Grimes is messing with some like longer songs. I know. So Heavy like, I Fell Through the Earth is cool. Yeah, it's a vibe, man. And um, it's interesting because I, I think songs like New Gods and even My Name is Dark. I had a great listen to New Gods today. Have some similarities to elements of songs on Art Angels. I can't oh, even sure. place my finger on which one they are, but I'm like, I feel like I've heard something like this There's on a, Art Angels. There are kinds of melodies that Grimes yes. goes for where you can just like, that's a Grimes melody exactly. right there. That's a Grimes hook. Yep. You can tell the type of thing. And like, for whatever reason, whatever combination of darkness and like kind of ethereal dreaminess yep. she finds, it's like precisely what my brain wants yeah. out of pop music. Yep. Um, and it has been that way for these past two albums. I, I'm very happy to hear that you are are loving it. Because this is my this is my favorite Grimes album right now. Like, talk to me in six more months when like the initial wave has, washed. has maybe washed yeah. off and we'll reassess. But right now, this is the Grimes album I've had the most tangible That's positive great. reaction to. Let me ask you about this, Jay, because so much of the press and the interviews that were done around this album with Grimes were sort of about the storyline around this album or, like, the character she was inventing or this idea of, like, these demons who are, like, bringing about the end of the the world from climate change and she wanted to make climate change kind of, like, fun and put a face on it. The actual lyrical content of this album, if you didn't know that was it going in, you wouldn't know it by listening. What do you make of that of an artist kind of presenting this idea and then the actual piece of art not really reflecting that in a clear way. So, I mean, I think that's true of a lot of concept albums through the years. I, I would agree. Here's what I'll say, though. I didn't even really know that until yep. like a couple days ago. Oh, okay. I have not engaged with that. I've read nothing about it, and I think my enjoyment of the album is just better for it. <laughs> Me too. And to be yeah, perfectly yeah. honest with you, I have no plans on engaging and with so that. So that's sort of why I was like, ooh, I don't know. Like, is this? Are we sure this is going to be good? And I sort of just ignored all of that. That's what I've been doing. And Because I've heard little things about that. I don't really listen to the album with that in mind, with the exception of a few lyrics on like... I don't know. Um, it, it might actually be on New Gods or My Name is Dark or something like that. Yeah. I, and I think We Appreciate Power is very obviously about like AI run amok. 
Yeah. However, you can listen without any of those ideas and yeah, it's man. maybe better for it. Well, and I think like with anything, like you think about like American Idiot or any of yeah. the, or any concept album that ever comes out, uh, I think in the artist's mind, the, the way that the songs are linked is always stronger than it's ever going to be for the listener. Fair. Unless you're the fucking who. Yeah. And it's Tommy and yeah. you're like literally telling a story which usually comes at the expense of some of the songs yeah. because you have songs that just need to advance uh, plot. Yeah, and that's honestly why concept albums for the most part don't work for me. Have you listened to The Wall? Not all the way through. That's another one that I think is... That's one of my big gaps. Sort of. It, it It's in the same vein as like a Tommy or a Quadrophenia where it's like it's telling a story. When did um, people decide that's what they thought people wanted out of rock music? About that time, yeah. I like, and <laughs> yep. I want like what yep. what combination of drugs and <laughs> yeah. and and like the Ego. yeah, and yeah. just like Ford Money. and yeah. Carter and and Reagan era shit. <laughs> know. brought that on. I don't know. I don't know. What were people drinking then? Seriously. I, um, so yeah, I, I'm actually glad that's not an over the top piece of it. Like, if you want to look into it, I'm sure there's things you could pull from it, but. It's not a part of it for me at all, and I'm just like just as fine with that and happier for it. I, I agree. And the last with thing, the Grimes album, yeah, you no, know, I agree. And the last thing I wanted to touch on um, was sort of Grimes or or Claire or C as she goes by now, mm. um, uh, like who she is as a person versus who she is as an artist, because. Yeah. I think she's hard to pin down as a person. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like mystery or half truths about her backstory in a way. Um, and then I also think she has this moniker of Grimes that she has said, like, I kind of want to kill that, that moniker. I don't want to be known as just Grimes. I think it's limiting, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. She's just at this weird crossroads. Then there's all the Elon Musk stuff. What do you make of like Grimes as like a, the person versus the artist? I don't understand her. I really fundamentally don't yeah. on some level. I like especially because as I love her music, um, and there's some <laughs> way in which I don't understand or relate to her aesthetic preferences, right. like. I think this album cover, the real one, not this one they have on Spotify. I, I hate. I so if you actually go down to the bottom of that deluxe edition, yeah, there'll be a little uh, button that says "One More Version." Click on that, then it's just misanthropocene, the normal one, oh. and you can actually just go find it. Oh, so what I have done, yeah, I created dude. a playlist with that album cover, and, we appreciate and then power. I just appended "We Appreciate Power" with the shitty. Uh, deluxe version album art, which I really think looks bad. The deluxe art's bad. I, I I think I will be doing that. I don't love this one, but I think it's better. I actually kind of like this one, and I like it better certainly than Art Angel's album cover, which I, I really don't like. Visions is probably still actually weirdly my favorite looking Grimes album. Art. But me too. But even at the time, it freaked me out with yeah. the skull and yeah. all that weird shit. It's 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 just like not totally for me, and it's interesting to hold that in your brain at the same time as knowing that like Grimes is like especially with Art Angels in this album, she's one of my favorite artists, yeah. and she does stuff that like I look forward to more than most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, aesthetically, like the costumes, the stuff she gets up with the characters. I know. I think War, War Nymph is like it's like this because like she's pregnant right now, and she's yeah. like, oh, I can't like do a lot of press. 
So we developed like this war nymph persona who actually did this magazine interview for me as me. She is like stretching the boundaries of reality of like reality and what this could be. And honestly, I think that's kind of fucking genius. It's super interesting and because it it's like is. I think that's probably where the world's going. And she, her and Elon Musk would know better than anybody. And she just knows on some level like. Who you are and who you say you are to everyone else in the world. What's the difference? Exactly. Like that. I think she's a genius. She could be. Um, Maybe not in the traditional way we think of. I think like her and Elon Musk are like these new geniuses that actually sort of like scare me. The way that they're like. They're seemingly fine with the disconnect of like humanity and reality from like what they do yeah and they don't see it as a bad thing they see it as the natural progression of things so like i think do you think that's fair i absolutely do i hold all of that in my brain and i I remember the tweet that we referenced before on this podcast where or it was a comment back to an instagram post about elon and and uh and grimes and how she was pregnant and someone was like this this their baby is going to be a concept It's true. And I was, yeah. <laughs> That's so accurate. It is. Um, but like, I see that. And then, like, Mary Kate was listening to We Appreciate Power yeah. today. And she said that on YouTube, autoplay after that brought her to this video of Grimes just explaining her skincare regimen. Wow. Like, just on YouTube, like in this basic ass YouTube video. Wow. Where it's just her, like, she has her nails on, but she doesn't have a ton of makeup on yeah. it. She's just like, yeah, so I do this. And then, like, and she's putting on like a face, but she's yeah. talking like pretty normal in it. And I'm yeah. like, who the fuck are you? Like, what are you <laughs> I about? I know. I don't fundamentally understand. I don't it. either. I, but I, it fascinates me. I think that that is part of it. It is. Is for us to not be able to put a pin. Which is interesting. It's very interesting. It, it's very she's interesting. She's fascinating, man. Yeah. I, I really am I'm into, I'm into the whole thing with Grimes, even though parts of it confuse and frustrate and scare uh, me yeah, a little. Yes. Yes. I, I'm with you. Um, couple quick thoughts for you, Jake, on another couple real, albums that came quick. out. Um, Best Coast yeah. put out a new album, Always Tomorrow. So you gave this a listen. I gave this a couple listens, actually. Okay. Um, it is fine. It's fine. It's pleasant enough. I I wouldn't ever accuse Best Coast or Bethany Constantino of being the most um, complex songwriter the songs they put out are enjoyable enough. The subject matter of this album is all about how she's gotten sober. She's gone through a lot of changes and she's doing a lot better with her life now, which is awesome. Um, I think this album put into context, like this type of music, Yeah, I, I think has, I, I'm trying to like articulate this in a way that it, it's already Doesn't been done. Value this. It's already been done. Yeah, by them many times. Yeah, and by others. And even for me personally, there's a time and place in my life where this, I would have gotten more out of this. Yeah. Where now I'm like, been there, done that. I don't need that anymore. So, and I look at it now as just like this other thing that I don't need to spend my time with anymore. Okay, so here's here's the thing. I saw that this came out. I saw that you'd listen to it. I opened up the page on Spotify. I was about to hit play. And for similar reasons to what you just said, I just didn't. I just decided, no. Yeah. I, I 
I know what this is. Yeah. I know what this is going to be. Right. This is going to be another Best Coast album that I put on and I listen to once, maybe twice, and then never return to and don't think about. Mm-hmm. This is time that could be better spent listening to more Grimes or maybe trying to figure out what I think of this Tame Impala album than it is going to be, or the Moses Sumney album, which we'll yeah. talk about in a minute, than it will be listening to this Best Coast record. I already sort of know what it is. It'll be a slightly glossier, it is, yeah, a little it, bit it, it newer is. version yeah. of what you they've been doing for it. years. There's there's some better vocals from her on here that I was like, oh, that's nice. Not enough to you know make me stick around. but Totally. And I just was like, you know, I'm sure it won't be bad. I'm sure it's I would not. enjoy it. But I already sort of like on some level know what it is. Exactly. And I think this isn't even a Best Coast thing. This is just the latest example of this. There are so many artists now that have, that I loved even three years ago where if they put something out now, I would be like, ah, I don't need that. The truth is with Best Coast for me, as much as I've liked songs, I was never an obsessive. I was never... I a, always have a soft spot in my heart for that first album. Yeah, with the one with the bear on it. Uh, the cat. No, the no, cat. the cat. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, bear yeah. was the second one. That's right. Right. Yes. It's definitely good. Yeah. It's catchy as hell. Yeah. They. That's like an interesting thing where like some bands like... they It would have been... Would it have been better if Best Coast was a one-off project... That was one album, and then they went off, and they were like, "You know what? Like, we're kind of not going to do that sound anymore. Yeah, we're going to try other things. Yeah, and like, just have a different project. And Best Coast was forever that album. That would be awesome. That right. would be looked at as one of the all-time indie pop classics. If yeah. that were the case, and instead they've they've uh, faded away rather than burned out. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think there's a, a a devoted fan base. Right. Um, they, they're still in the news. You know, like it's news when they come out with a new album for the most sure, part. And course. I think a lot of that has to do with what a an important like presence Bethany is to indie rock. I think more that's always been the thing. She's always been more interesting as a public figure than any of their music. That's fair. That's fair. So I, I don't know. Like that's where I'm at. It's fine. I probably won't go back. The last quick thought is this new Moses Sumney album called Grey, uh, part one. I guess there's a part two coming later this year. This is just half of what is a two-part album. Correct. Um, so I've been able to listen to this twice now. As have I. I generally like it. It's pretty crazy, actually. It is. I, I, I actually don't really know what to make of it yet. I don't have any thoughts other than, I A, I generally like it. Yeah. B... I get some Radiohead vibes from it. Okay, I, that's interesting that you say that. I always have from Moses. Sonny, yeah, as far back as um, songs like "Indulge Me" on that a romanticism album. Yeah, some of the songs on that album gave me a Radiohead vibe too. Yeah, and I definitely get it on songs yes. here. Um, Moses Sumney is existing in a space that it very few people are. Yeah, he's making music that is like a real. Um, you know, sort of mash of different yes. seemingly contrasting genres. Um, and I think, so again, I've listened twice, maybe three times. I'm trying to remember. I think twice. Yeah. Um, some of this stuff really works. And there's some of it when I listen, I'm like, I definitely need like five listens. That, okay. That's sort of how I feel. And that's why I'm sort of re- reserving judgment here. This is a challenging. Some of it's quite challenging. Bit of music. Yeah. Um, some of, it, some is. of it is more immediate. Others are like, wow. Um, 
I'll be interested to see sort of how both these parts are received. Yeah. I got to go back, though. I'm just saying it's out there. I have listened. I got to spend more time. And I'm with you. I also generally like it. I feel some level of investment in Moses Sumner. Yeah, because you really like that last one. Yeah, and I think the more I think back on it, like I, I, and I've listened to it again recently, that album, as good as it is, it's, I like parts of it more than I like yeah. the whole. Okay. If I'm being truthful with myself. That's fair. Um, and I, I never connected. I, granted, I only listened once, and I was like, eh, no, not for me. There's some excellent, excellent songs yeah. on there that I really do love. Um, but, I, you know, as a full album, I don't, sure. I don't, it's not like something I'm clamoring to go back to. But I feel invested in him as a person because I think he has an interesting voice. Yeah. Both, like... Literally, his voice, yes. which I think is singular, yes. and like I can't think of anyone who sings quite like uh-uh. him, and his sort of vision for his music and like what he represents as a musician, I think is very interesting and also yeah. kind of singular. So yeah. I have some investment in his success. So I'll be very interested to listen to this some more and see what both halves yeah. of the album bring. I mean, dude, this is already. What thirty nine minutes? Yeah. So a double album. Like this is double. I know it's gonna be a long ass album of some challenging shit. I know it's probably we'll, a good thing it's split up, which could be very rewarding. It could. Yeah. We, oh, absolutely. We'll have to see. Ever heard of Sandinista? Um, <laughs> I have. <laughs> uh, one more album that came out last week. I didn't put it in the notes, but there's a new King Cruel album. I I, I didn't listen. To I it. listened to part of it, and I actually liked it more than I liked the, was ooze? It, the ooze. Yeah. So I haven't finished it. I'll probably go back and finish just to put it on the list, just yep. to get another uh, album on there. But I liked it a little bit more. It's called Man Alive. Remember that album he put out under the Archie, Archie Marshall, Marshall name? A New Place to Drown. Which I like, really like that album. So do I. Better than anything King Cruel I've ever listened Me to. Me too. Yeah. Um, okay, quick release radar to wrap up. This is for 2-28-2020. Uh, we have a leap year. This year, Jake. That's right. So we have a 29th. This is not actually the last day of the month. That's the penultimate day. Here's what we got: big indie rock slate. Yeah. Soccer mommy with color theory. Uh huh. This got album of the week on Stereo Gum. And just as a a shout out, if you are a Soccer Mommy fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's a fairly good chance. Um, she did a song exploder episode. That's right. Uh, I saw that drop today. Yeah. So I'll probably give that a listen. Nice. Uh, real estate makes their return with the main thing. Yeah. Uh, now look, based off that last si- the first single that came out, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm going into this with a slightly more open mind, especially as we're rounding the corner into spring. Jake, this could be a nice springtime vibe. We're gonna have to see. We'll have to see. And then the last one, Rat Boys, uh, coming out with a new record called Printer's Devil. Don't know what that means. Don't know either, but uh, we like Rat Boys, so. I, I, I really do. Have you seen the video of, of when they played at a, a Bernie rally? No, but I know you told me uh, about it. What it did just, Bernie say? Well, just him being like, and we'd like, and I'd like to thank the Rat Boys for the excellent music. And like, dude, it's just so funny to hear him reference shit from the, the Rat Boys. I love doing Bernie impressions it's very and fun. need four years where I can keep doing Bernie yeah. impressions. Me too, man. I I need it. Yeah, me too. So not to say who we are politically allied aligned to. We're, we're just aligned with the best impression possible. And that's really what it's all about. Although I, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it there. All right. Uh we will see you in a few more weeks, listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks everybody. 
Jesus is right. We're on the mic. Um, um, we're ready to go. So, big news this past week. One, um, the Russians are influencing our election again. They're meddling again. The news is Trump is their preferred candidate. That's a shock to no one. No, yeah. And um, on the Dem side, they want Bernie. Which... They, they want Bernie. So here, here's my thing. Here's and, and I actually think this is happening <laughs> right now for all the things we just talked about off mic. Bernie and Trump are probably the two most polarizing candidates that could go up against each other. Yeah. They Their are. level of support, even without Russian interference, is already like at a fever pitch. And like people are so dug in and passionate about them. It only makes sense to stoke those fires even more. I totally get that. The difference is Bernie, when this came out, was like, hey, Putin, get out of our elections. Yes. I don't care who you want. We will not stand for this. Yeah. Whereas Trump fired his head of intelligence for giving this report um, and put in a loyal yes man um, as the acting director of our intelligence agencies now instead. That tells you everything you need to know. Trump has really changed every f- conceivable standard of, oh, yeah. f- to which we should hold any president. Yes. To the point where anything I hear about him, I just am like, yep, I, of yep. course. Yep. And I kind of can't even dwell. Yep. But because it's just, in, I get it. It's true. He, and it's you, scary. You know how Simmons, they always joke about the Tyson zone? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think where like a if, little crazy. If, if there's a headline... There was a point oh, with Mike Tyson anything. where yes. you could have believed anything. We're in the Trump zone right now. Oh, and it's, where it's worse. like It's what? scary. Like, Trump's aides have to try and feed him vegetables and trick him into eating vegetables like a five-year-old? Like, like what? And, like, that's true. I saw, I saw a story about that today. He's so adverse to vegetables because there was this big thing about him going to India. It was going to be an all-vegetarian diet. No steaks. No cheeseburgers. And and they were saying how his aides were like, yeah, we have to try and like trick him into eating vegetables because his diet is so shit. That's just. I honestly thought you were saying something probably nope. from the onion Dude, at first. No, that's real. Do you, one thing I was going to bring up is like, and I was thinking about this earlier, is like, do you even think that Russians even know why they're doing it anymore? Like. <laughs> Such a good like point. at a certain point, just go through the motions, and it's it's true of uh, like what, when we install dictators and we do terrible shit <laughs> yes. around the world too. It's not just to point the finger at Russia, but it's like at a certain right. point, it's like you're interfering with the election again. It's like, are you just doing it to be like, what are you trying to be? What's your end goal? Fucking here? Lex Luthor, like, <laughs> what's the, why? Why don't you look in your own backyard first? Does any part of you think on some level this is the right thing to be doing? <laughs> I know, and like. Maybe they do. I just, I, I don't understand the impetus behind. Like, I know. Let's disrupt. That's, it's just purely like a like a rivalry thing. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I guess there was this book written in the 90s um, by some Russian thinker who laid out the strategy for Russia becoming the world superpower yeah. again. It's crazy um, to me that anyone wants that. Well, they want it. No, I know it's, but it, I, I guess what I'm saying is like this is where I feel a, a lack of kinship with mankind. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone could have the energy to want that <laughs> to, to just be the world superpower to be like the the strongest or best I, in anything. <laughs> I don't understand that. I that's what I mean. Well, Putin's got it. Yeah, he, does. he, he has the edge. It. He has the edge. So there's this book that was written. I forget what it's called. Um, 
But they were basically laying out the blueprint where the guy was like, Russia cannot beat the United States in a military fashion. We need to dispel with this idea of building up a bigger military or better technology. What we need to do is sow discord in the U.S. Yes. Oh, between yeah. disparate groups of people, stoke racial tensions, and we sow discord throughout the country. And that's how we destabilize and and limit the power of America. It's not and not working. It is working. Yeah. That that that's their goal with this. Yeah. Um. I I and it has worked. I fundamentally understand the goal. My point was a larger existential thing sure. of like, what? Yes. Why? Yes. The fuck? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I get that like, yeah, it's just so discord and like right. ruin our lives. Right. It's like, maybe just don't do that, yeah, man. Yeah, can you quit it? We're all trying to survive. It yeah. would actually be better if you didn't do that for you and us and everyone. Just well, fuck off. the truth off. is the U.S. does some fucked up Yeah, stuff. we do. So we I don't do. know. We're, we're a, not blameless. Countries are such it's a, it's a messed up sort of concept. The other big thing, and before I, 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 I get into this because this is an interesting conversation, I brought up the other day how this podcast, which has almost exclusively existed in the Trump era, will be a great primary resource in 10, 15, 20 years. This after show segment on what it was like to just sort of live through this shit day to day. And sort of the most important part. Oh, without a doubt. Yes. The after show pre-show is is the real podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real running diary yeah, of, it is. of the I Trump will era. be excited to listen back to some of this shit. Grant that that is if things get better. There's no guarantee and this could just be like, you know, um we might be looking back at this being like, wow, those those were the days. Truly. And like imagine election day the end of this year if Trump's reelected. If you oh, want to hear if it, so maybe you won't in the direct aftermath because you'll be feeling this way too. But if ever you want to hear two broken men, <laughs> two people just broken yep. spirits. Yep. Listen to that episode yep. the week or two after that. Well, we'll try and make sense of it. Yeah, yeah. And we like Hopefully that isn't, struggle to do that. Isn't our timeline, but we'll see. So Okay, coronavirus. It's getting this scary. is something that we've mentioned, I think, on the last two, because it's been hanging around now since about the start of the year. It looks like coronavirus is, the CDC has come out and said, it's not a matter of if, but when this becomes a true problem in the U.S. Correct, and I just got an update from the New York Times right before this, like yep. a half hour ago. That the first confirmed case in the United States that's not linkable to someone who traveled was discovered in California. Fuck. Like today. Okay. Don't um, love that. It's going to happen. It's a matter of how bad it is. So I could see in a few weeks this being like work is shut down. Schools are shut down. Like that's what it's looking like. Right. And We're that- on the cusp of this. My sister texted me and was like, hey – you better get to the store to stock up on some supplies. I just went to Market Basket to get some hand sanitizer, and they were all sold out. Yeah, it's getting scary. And like, I I know people who are starting to prep a little bit. Yeah, I think I might go that same yeah. way. I think it's the safest thing to do. I agree. Um, and buy some jugs of water yep. and like some non-perishables. I don't yep. know. It's legitimately scary, and yeah. uh, you just never know. Like this past week. Um, I had like a cold, yeah. and I was like, "Ooh, like what? Corona? Who know, could could this be? Uh, yeah, what what's the other name for it? Something? Oh, 19? that that, that name is not, not gonna catch on. It it's coronavirus from here forever. on. Forever, even though coronavirus is like a just general a term. general. It's like the flu is technically coronavirus. It's a kind of yeah. cor- of virus, exactly. Um, yeah, it's freaky, man, dude. I don't know uh, what to think. 
how perfect is it in 2020 that we have this fucking What's the word I'm looking for? Pandemic? Pandemic is the word. It's a we pandemic. Have a, we're staring down the barrel of a pandemic. If it wasn't so serious, it'd be hilarious. It, exactly. Also, um, I was recently watching that show Explained on Netflix. Yes. On that show, they talked about the most likely mass extinction event. Yeah. And the fact that the most likely way for it to happen... <laughs> Excuse me, as I cough. Oh, uh oh. Is a pan? Don't use this microphone. <laughs> is a pandemic. We're dead before the podcast. Yeah, is over. we both succumb to coronavirus. <laughs> but they were talking about how like it actually happens every few centuries. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, and it it, I, Spanish flu. The Spanish flu was the last hundred years ago. Yeah. How many people did that kill? Uh, dude, it was like it was, it was a lot. An absolutely obscene amount of the yeah. population. Yeah. I think it was like two percent of the world. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it's is it, millions. If you... <laughs> it is. It, it, I know. <laughs> if you imagine it now, it's hundreds of millions. Yeah. Which is scary. 2,000 people have already died. Um, that is starting to be a not insignificant figure. Because I think back... be 3,000. Back yeah. when the first few weeks of this were... You know, it was being, I think, a little sensationalized. In hindsight, maybe that was warranted. Totally right. But at that time, I think only like 12 people had died. It's like, look, more people died in, you know, a fucking hiking accident last week in Yellowstone than, that's not true. But still, like, you know. More people died in a suicide. We're we're in a a post-truth world right now, anyway. Yeah, who knows if all this Trump's out here being like, we're fine. China has it under control because he's just worried about the stock market tanking because he knows it's the only thing he has to hang his hat on for this election and everyone's like well actually dude like no we're not we're fucked <laughs> and also you've gutted our our agencies that are supposed to help with this so like thanks a lot <laughs> you fucking rump imbecile <laughs> two things two pop culture related yeah things. yeah uh one related to monsters like trump mm. uh, i've been listening to the catch and kill podcast yeah. with ronan farrow oh um, it's a, like a, a limited series yep. it's only nine episodes you'd fly through it yeah. it's about harvey weinstein oh, and about how ronan farrow was a reporter who like uh he did a lot of reporting on the stories and he talks yeah. about like how harvey weinstein hired professional investigators to like have him followed and like and the way he would intimidate people who he did this stuff to and the, yeah. his his methods of getting people to sign NDAs yeah and the the pressure he would put on people Jesus um really really worth listening to it's like 10 episodes yeah. you would literally fly through it i'm already on episode like 8 wow and yeah. i just have been burning through it okay. it's it's really excellent the other thing is i've been rereading watchmen oh, which you so good. recently reread yes. and i'm having the experience where i i realize that uh, I flat out like didn't understand it as a teenager. <laughs> same, same. Essentially, full stop. There were so I, I think when you're that age, you're just hoping you get the baseline plot and you understand what happens. I didn't understand the plot. I only understood like eighty percent of the plot. I'm glad to hear you say that. Same here. Yeah. And it's funny how when you're when you're a worse reader or a yeah. younger reader, less mature reader. Yeah. You kind of just take away from a book what you're, whatever you're gonna fucking take away from I it. Know. I thought all these years yeah. that there was a group in the book called the Watchmen. There is not. 
Interest. I at least so that was that was something that was a big disconnect at the time. I was like, oh, we're gonna learn about the Watchmen, and it was never explicitly said. And I had to finally by the end, I was like, oh, I guess the Watchmen were like these characters we were following, but they're not actually called that. It's a concept. It's like yeah. they weren't like this group, right? I think that in my like sixteen-year-old head, I had such a firmly held assumption yeah. about it that even though I didn't read it, <laughs> right, I was just like, yeah, they're the Watchmen, <laughs> right? And right. like this is what, but it's like no, right? That's not a thing. They're right. not called the Watchmen. I, I it was lost on me. Because the only time that shows up is when they say, who watches the Watchmen? Right. And it was lost on me that there is a push and pull between these masked vigilantes and the general public and governments where it's like, wait a minute. These people are technically fighting crime, but it's also maybe like an ego trip for them. Totally, And yeah. do we actually want these people doing this? Yeah, and pe- I like the people call them like fascists and yeah, perverts. Yeah, yeah. And, and this idea of who watches the Watchmen is like, okay, well, if these vigilantes are out here doing whatever the fuck they want in the name of justice, Yeah, what does that actually mean? And what happens when they start doing things that are questionable, like Ozymandias? Totally. And like, so I'm at, I'm at the point where uh, John... Doctor Manhattan is with uh, with the Silk Spectre, who's actually Lori. Yeah, you really never call her the Silk Spectre. That, that's also true. Yeah, they're on the moon, to, not the moon, Mars. Mars they're on yeah. Mars together. Fascinating shit. That was all lost on me. This uh, this existential detachment that Doctor Manhattan has of just like I exist in all times, so no time matters. Exactly, and I, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I read it now. Corona. Exactly. I read it now, and like a big part of me is like, did I even really read all of this? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and in fact, with the interstitial chapters, which like explain what's under happening under the hood or whatever, under the hood, yeah. the Rorschach's yeah. files yeah. at the New York police police department, like all that shit, yep. night owls stuff yep. about like his obsession with owls. Yep. Maybe the worst one of those. That one is a tough hang. It, it, they all go pretty quick, thankfully. Yes. Um, that one is skippable, though. Yeah, I think you could argue that it one's is. skippable. His ornithological yeah, like yeah, piece yeah. on birds. <laughs> it's like this guy's a fucking loser. Yeah, Dan Dryberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so this Doctor Manhattan stuff was very lost on me back in the day. Me too. And rereading it now, I mean, the, the cha- I think one of the masterpiece chapters of the book is the one where they introduce his backstory. Yes. And it's him being like, now I'm on Mars. Yes. But I'm also in 1966. Yes. And I'm like touching her hand at the carnival. Yes. And now it's 1985. So the TV show takes that same idea and turns it into a massive character flaw Yeah, for Dr. Manhattan. Oh, it already is, and, and, and it, But they explore that idea even more. Okay. I cannot recommend watching this show enough once you finish. That's why I'm reading yeah. it. Yeah. That's why I'm reading it because I watched the first episode. Yeah. I definitely liked it, but I had the realization this is going to mean more to me. Yes, it will. If I just reread yes. it. Yes, yes. And I'm glad I did because... So many things that I, I just didn't get it. I honestly, like, flat out didn't, didn't get it as a kid the way I thought I did. No. Um, so, yeah. It's it's worth a reread. It's, it's it, it is kind of a masterpiece. I will say that, like, being more mature yep. and reading some of it, it's definitely, there are points where things are a little over the top. A little. Oh, sure. But it's a comic book. But, th- yeah, that's the medium, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and, like, 
everyone is like a severely fucked up person oh, one way or another. A lot of mental health issues. So I guess you could argue that like But I, I think it's like that's what it would take to be one of these people. True. And I think that's maybe the most real portrait of someone like this. That the only other I mean, look, I I think a lot of comic books, graphic novels, etc. probably do explore that. I think the one that gets closest is Batman. Yeah. With the alcoholism and this idea that, like, are we sure this is a good thing? Superman's not doing that, you know? No, like, right, so yeah. I think that's maybe, in a lot of ways, the most real portrait of what it would be like yeah. for a masked vigilante. It's like, yeah. you're mentally unhealthy if you're doing that. The, the the comic book that runs concurrent with it, the, like, what's it called again? The Black something? Oh, the bl- Tales from the, of the Black Freighter? The Black Freighter. Yes. Yeah. Damn. Unreal. It's unreal, and it's also hilariously, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. hilariously fucking dark. Yes, it is. And disgusting, like, dude. When he when he <laughs> ties together the bloated bodies of the corpses to make a raft out of. Yeah. Yes. And then he's like, he eats a gull. Yeah, a rock gull. <laughs> Throws up. I and mean, the, the 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 language that is used is, is so ridiculous, so funny. And, and in, over the, the in, in the chapters in between, they explain the context yes, for the yes. guy who wrote, wrote those, it. yeah, exactly, um, and who Alan Roth or something like that. I think so. Yeah, something that doesn't like that. sound right because the dude's name is Alan Moore. The guy who wrote Watchmen, <laughs> He's like Alan Moore's Alan. Yeah, but this dude, um, like, I think it's interesting that in those chapters, they're like. He was pretty popular with these comics. It's like, dude, like people would not read these comics. I think that's like the maybe like the joke maybe. is like. I think that, that that is him. I think that's a commentary on his own career, actually. Yeah, yeah. I get the feeling that that's Alan Moore kind of commenting on his own yeah. trajectory, yes. And style. Yes, that that's very interesting. I'm glad you're rereading it. I'm glad you're like getting more from it this oh, time. For I, sure, I did too. Let I me ask too. you this. Yeah. Do we have an agenda? For this? We do. I put some notes together. Let me open it up because I have not done that. Few Bridgerton. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. 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 Yep. I have it up as well. Who is that singing the low vocal under Phoebe? Is uh, that I Matt Burning? I will. No. I will save it for the pod. Okay. I wonder if it's Connor Oberst. It's not. Interesting. You know who it is. Yes. Okay. All right. So save it. Yep. Uh, all right. You ready? Uh, yep. I okay. Am. Okay. Uh, three, two, one. 